This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to episode 12 of the Practice of Learning Teams. Safety processes should be adding value not cost. The aim should be to build safety into the process and not add safety processes to existing systems that are already complex. And that is today's topic about safety waste. And I'm joined today by Brent Robinson and Gladys McCarthy for this MIDI learning team about safety waste. Brent, I know this is a real passion for you. Yeah, it certainly is. It's, um, you know, I like to think of it in, you know, my background in, with using lean, and I really like to think about safety with that same sort of context. And, you know, with lean, we talk about the eight wastes, you know, and so there's different ways that we try and remember that. And one of the ways that I can remember is using the um, acronym Tim Woods for each of the um, each of the wastes that we typically talk about in lean, and I what I've been thinking about recently, you know, and listening to other people that are talking about safety clutter and you know and and paper safe, you know, uh, Gregory Smith, Dave Proven is that there's a real um, interest out in the market or out in the um, community about all this extra waste we're putting into our systems, you know. You guys would have seen, you know, manuals that are 140 pages long of policies and procedures that nobody probably ever uses or references until there's an event or an incident. You know, so I think with our with our clients and with the organisations that we work in, that it's a really good way of looking at a particular process or um, system and saying, okay, well, let's let's break this down. You know, so I thought we'd go through today and just talk about those eight wastes and then maybe give them some context with safety. You guys are cool with that. So if we use the, um, the Tim Wood um, acronym, then we break that down. What the eight wastes, if I really quickly go through them, are um, transport, inventory, motion, waiting, over-processing, over-production, defects, and skills, you know. So if we take each one of those and say, okay, well, what does that mean? What's the lean definition? Transport is the movement of items or information that's adding no value. So when, you, when, you're, when you're talking about lean, you're looking at it and saying, hey, or we're looking at a particular process. Is this adding value to the product or service or the process that we're trying to do? Or is it just adding some waste that we don't want to do? So that's transport. So if I, if I um, and I can give you a, a safety example of that, is that, you know, take fives. I was um, gonna tell you a quick story about um, a project we were working on last year. We had, there's a thousand people on the site. We, our team had 65 or 70 people on that site. They used to fill in these take fives on every time they changed tasks during the day. And um, 
when we ask them the question, you know, is this helping? Is it helping you think about the risks? Is it helping you think about the job? And they all had a smile on their face saying, well, yeah, no, not really. And um, so, you know, they were transporting those around the place, carrying them around. And that was, that was an example of transport in that particular instance. It was also an example of inventory, like carrying them around from one place to the other and then finally storing them somewhere. Again, not adding any value to their day, not adding any value from a safety context, but also, you know, probably devaluing safety in a lot of respects. You know, so if we if we keep going through that list, you know, motion, that's the filling out of the take five form, waiting, the wait, you know, quite often we'll see some processes where we will send some information to uh, a, a, con a head contractor or a, a safety person and wait for them to come back and approve a swim or a JSA or, you know, and so there's no work goes on while that happens. Is it adding value to the process? My view would be no. You know, over-processing, doing, you know, doing, you know, one of the ones I love that I see quite a bit is a pre-start check on a forklift. I don't know why we do that. I don't think it's adding any value to the guy's day that's doing it or the um, person's day that's doing it. I don't think it's um, making them safer. And we collect all this data about it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, we need to look at these things in the context of, is it helping them with safety? If it is good, let's do it. If it's not, let's stop doing it because all it does becomes a tick and flick. And, you know, these wastes get built in over time. Um, overproduction, you know, take, you know, take fives. We're producing um, two per day times 70 people, 140 take fives per day. Nobody was reviewing them. And... For what, for what purpose? Then they got bundled up and take, taken somewhere else. So, you know, we've got an over, overproduction issue. When I think of defects, which is probably the biggest single waste that we talk about in the lean context, in the safety context, for me, it's more about um, an event happening. You know, so a defect is when something has gone wrong. You know, we've had an event or we've had an miss. So that's the way I like to think of it there. And then the one I really love is, um, and it's the last waste, which is skills. And this is where I think learning teams are really going to come into play. Because what we do is, you know, with a lot of the stuff we see in safety, we're not taking that knowledge that the person doing the work has and using it effectively. And, you know, this is one of the things I talk about in the lean, not using the worker to the fullest of their abilities. You know, so I think that from a um, safety point of view, you know, that's a really nice way of saying, well, you know, we run an ICAM investigation. And I think you've said this before, Brent, nobody's ever said that was a great ICAM investigation I just took part of, you know, and we force them down a certain particular, particular route and not using them to the, you know, not getting that knowledge out and not learning from it. So, you know, that, that last one about skills and, and learning, it really sort of resonates for me that when we're looking at these things, that's what we should be looking for. And, you know, not adding that adding that waste, adding some value. So just on that connection, not using worker to the fullest of abilities, that's the effect of the, it's the same thing as that Todd talks about, is that treating the workers as the experts. Yeah. That they hold the knowledge the, uh, intimate right. knowledge of what yeah. actually goes on and the variability that exists in that way. Yeah, they, I mean, they're the, they're the knowledge holders. But, you know... I just like looking at, you know, we've been doing some work recently with a, um, a business and just taking out some of the stuff they do every day that's not adding any value. 
you know, that's, and I think it's a really, it's a, it's quite a scary thing for um, organizations. They think, oh, we're collecting all this data, we've got to be safer. And I'm not sure we are, you know. So collecting data and dashboards doesn't make people safer. So, so the challenge there is, um, just going through my mind, is one, it has to be identified that it's waste to begin with. Yeah. Two, they need to then consider the effect of the removal of it. Yeah. So that, that's always the, the challenge. Yes. And the reason I say that is because seldom has there ever been any form of measurement to say whether that system or that thing or that process is actually functioning. Yeah. Well, in fact, we only find out that it's not functioning when something goes wrong. After. Yeah. yeah. After an incident. Yeah. I think this is all about, um, you know, safety practitioners, if I take it from a safety point of view, about us being discerning and thinking about why are we doing what we're doing? Does it add value? Does it yeah. provide support for where work is being done? You know, does it um, help the, the smooth um, delivery of work is done? Are we collecting data for data's sake? Well, I think... Um... I've got a really good example that I was at a organization a couple of weeks ago and they had a um, safety metric, which was a gauge and it had red, green and orange on it. And um, they were in the orange and the, the number was 4.7. I don't know what 4.7 means. So I asked them the question, what does that mean? You know, what, what are you what are you collecting here? Oh, it's based on a range of different bits of data we're collecting. And at the moment, we don't think we're quite where we need to be and we're at 4.7. So <clears throat> that was from the person that was uh, collecting the data and getting it on the dashboard. So I asked a couple of the workers, I said, does this help you guys? And they go, no, we don't even know what it means. We don't even know how they calculate it. And it was calculated on, I don't know, 10 or 12 different things. And so, and they were collecting all this data every day and it's not adding any value to the people that are doing the work. We, and we need to, you know, I think we've got to, as you said, Glenis, we've got to, we've got to look at these things and go, it's making this person happy over here, but it's not actually helping the organisation. In fact, I think it could give the leadership of the organisation a false sense of reality. I agree with about you. Where they might be. Absolutely. And it doesn't give any knowledge um, or impart any sort of, uh, for me, any surety about how work is really being done. I think I think a lot of the measurements around safety just provide noise on the periphery. They, they don't inform practice. They, they don't yeah. even reflect on practice. Um, and so little do we ever look at how work is successful and look to say, well, what are those measurements? Um, what are we doing that provides, you know, the 99.9% .9 of time that work is done that's successful? What are we doing right there? Actually, typically yeah. what we're looking for is that 0.1% in 100 times where something goes wrong. And then we, we focus heavily on that. It's, it sort of reminds me that this week I was asked to talk to a group of workers about the importance and value of the safe systems of work. In this case, this client was uh, uh, looking to do some uh, live power type work. And they've got, you know, highly competent people. These people, you know, are exposed to these hazards every day. And the first question I asked them, this is not the group of workers, but I said, for, for, for me to talk about the value of having a conversation, 
having the conversation has to inform something. It needs to serve a purpose. Yeah. And I absolutely agree that that having a conversation that creates a context of risk is much more valuable than having conversation of what hazards we're going to be exposed to today. But I, I, I put a bit of thought into it, and, and I basically um, really asked that question about what was the purpose? So what was the what was the purpose of their safety system? So how did the safety system support workers in that? Yeah. And what we came up with was actually six key things. One, it was to inform workers of something. So to provide them with some with some valuable information. The second part of it was to instruct them about yeah. things. And once again, if, if we talk about stickies, then those instructions are going to be about the stuff that really matters, the STRM yeah. from our previous podcast. And then the third part was that the system was to ask them to think or have a conversation about the hazardous situation that could arise from that work they're going to be undertaking. In other words, starting to create that context around that dynamic risk environment. The fourth part was about recording that conversation. So what was the thinking that sat behind that? The fifth part was seeking the worker's permission to start the work. In other words, asking the worker, do they believe that the work is safe to start? That's a great question. Yeah, because the form can't give you permission. The form no. should be asking for your permission. And then the last part was, and this goes back to our good old PDCA model, was seeking their feedback on how the work went. Okay. So those are the six things that I framed up for that bunch of yeah. uh, workers. I really like that. Yeah. Especially, you know, the PDCA, I'm, you know, me, I love that because I think unless you're doing that and checking all the time, and this is the bit that coming back to these eight wastes that we talk about, unless you're doing that, it just sits there and you, you get these documents that, and processes that just sit there and nothing ever changes and there's no feedback from the people actually doing it. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And, and it might be that, that, that we could do is if we take that construct it's about actually how to improve it so that it doesn't become waste. Yes. And I think if you take yep. that as a frame, what it then does is it helps you to, <clears throat> in fact, uh, sort and align those processes that we often overlay around workers done. And that way you have an opportunity to evaluate, do they inform, do they instruct, uh, do they lead the workers um, to have a conversation about the hazardous situations um, do they help you to record the thinking or, or of that rationale for how work is going to be done? You know, do they prompt workers to think about is it safe to start work? Is it safe to finish this work, to walk away from this job? Um, you know, I think that if we use it as a frame, then actually it makes it much easier to work out where clutter resides, or where waste resides. Yeah. And I, 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 one of the things I've been getting out of it is that when we actually put a number to it, a dollar sign or a number of hours to it, the leadership of the organization suddenly went, wow, really? So we're, we're doing this stuff and it's not adding any value to the organization at that point. And it's costing us. It's, there's an actual real cost associated with doing this stuff. And that was a really interesting way to have a conversation with the leadership of the business. You know, given the accountant a uh, dollar sign, go, that's how much we spent. 
And what, and what do we get for it? Not much. Yes, because it'd be fair to say, and I imagine I'll get some hate mail as a response, and I'll give out Brent Robinson's email address at the end of this podcast, that, um, that safety people uh, don't want to remove things. No. Therefore, how can companies evaluate whether those things actually add value or not? Mm-hmm. Because the def- the yeah. definition between value and waste. Yeah, well, it's in the eye of the beholder sometimes. That's right. Unless you can put a number to it. Correct. So. And and it's based on your perception. So you know, if we take that take five thing, the company, the subcontractor doing it, says that's got value because we're it's making everybody think about safety every day. The worker thinks it's not adding any value, and they actually write them the night before. You know, so there's no value there. And I tell you what, we had the conversation about not doing them anymore. And the next conversation I had was with the head, um, the head project director on the site, who said that it would be a breach of our contract not to do them. Don't remember that bit in the contract exactly, but you know they were fairly forceful about it. Good for them. It had it, it, it was important. So they Nothing didn't see it as happened. waste. They did not see it yeah. as waste. No, no. Well, they, I don't think they could learn. They weren't comfortable in giving it up. But I think, Brent, you could talk to this point that if there was an incident on that site, more than likely, the, the safety regulator wouldn't care about how many bits of paper were filled out. They'd care about whether we actually looked at the risks properly at the, at the, right, at the right time. Well, look, the, and what controls we'd put in place. The, the, the safety regulator would care about the absence of something because yes. that's their behaviour. That's their whole mode of what we call a counterfactual that they believe because because something was absent, that absence led to something. And that's something that you could have fixed. Yeah. I think what we're talking here about is if it's present, is it does its presence actually bring any value to the organisation? And does its presence actually support people in successful work? Yeah. That's not the conversation that's being had by organisations. No. So therefore it's waste. Therefore it must well, be waste. It's not waste. But you've got to determine what it is. And I understand the issue because they don't have any framework. And once again, I, I can just see Todd rolling his eyes at the moment because he thinks, you know, I'm talking about structure. This is about a framework. They don't have any framework to rely on to tell them about when something is valuable versus when something is waste. Yeah. And and that's because, once again, if we go back to it, we've got people that don't have that type of level of knowledge and skill to be able to do that right now. And that's yeah. not their and fault. That's not their fault. That's a system yeah. fault. Yeah, I totally agree. So I don't think we've, you know, if you look at the training that we give um, some of our safety people, we don't get them to look at something and say, take it away. We train them to put more in. And that's going to make it safer. Add something to it, add something to it, more training, more something, more documents, more checklists. That'll make, that'll cover everybody. And it doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and that was actually one of the findings of that report from the International Council of Mineral Minings around risk by ties, was the fact that because they're visual, they basically created an environment where people had to add more stuff in. 
because the more complete the risk bow tie look, surely the better it must be. Yeah. And that was the bizarre component, because in the end, what that report looked at was that they had to develop a a critical control filter to actually work out what really mattered. Yeah. So maybe that would be my auto response to my hate mail is read the ICMM report. <laughs> I, uh, I was speaking to a lawyer and he said, sometimes you get, you uh, collect all this data and um, because you think it's the right thing to do and you're making people fill in forms. But, you know, if you have an event and it goes wrong and then people say, well, you did all this stuff, but it wasn't doing anything. The regulator comes along and says, you've, you've done all this stuff and here's, here's your pr- procedure, but you've never actually measured it. Um, you're actually making it worse for yourself in some respects. And, you know, it goes sometimes less is, um, less is more. Yes, so it's that balance between absence, yep. which would have been reasonably practicable, presence, where you actually fail to do any form of monitoring or evaluation. Yes. Now, is it the, but doesn't that come back to good old PVCA again? Yes, every time. Every time. So if if, if the frigging clock starts halfway, don't be surprised when something goes wrong in that way. It's it's no different. I see a lot um, around uh, CCTV. So I'm just dealing with a case at the moment where the regulator is seeking, um, you know, uh, six months of CCTV. Now, what are they trying to do? I could only imagine that they are trying to understand by looking at the footage about what work has done look like. Yes. <laughs> that they're trying to establish there was a pattern of these types of behaviours that were going on. And if that pattern existed, then the organisation failed in its duty to uh, monitor and supervise. Yes. And the document will say, here's work is imagined over here. Yeah. And over here is uh, work is done. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's... Um, so, yeah, what I was trying to do with waste is just put a framework around it and say, well, yeah, when you're looking at waste, here's eight things you should look for and then test your test your system or your process or whatever it may be and find out whether those things fit in there. And um, that's a way to start looking at it. You know, and you can have a look at value-adding versus non-value-adding. Now, in, in Lean, there is, non-value, there is required non-value-adding tasks, right? You know, the world doesn't work that everything adds value. But there's required ones that are non-value adding. And that's, you know, you can't get away from some of those. And that's fine. That's, you know, that's just the way it is. That's where you're at waste, where you're doing stuff that is not helping anybody or not, you know, moving bits of paper around or filling in forms or collecting data that isn't driving anything. Take it away. So if we took that context, we could say that a doing a safety validation on a feature is important. So if you've got a machine, uh, prior to every shift, you want to test that that emergency stop functions on that machine. You don't want to find out when something goes wrong that the e-stop doesn't work. So to me, that's not waste. That is simply a, a need that needs, that has to require. But what, yeah. what frustrates me, and the good example, you mentioned the, the whole thing about the forklift. Um, we looked at one recently where basically um, 
we looked at the 10 things I want people to do and we asked, well, what were the three things that really mattered? Because the form said oil leak. Well, do forklifts leak oil? Well, surprisingly, more often than they don't. But yeah. what was actually critical was that, that there was actually the reservoir of the oil was full. Yes. Yeah. And and I I asked the question that the reality was when it came to the oil leak, is that a result of wear and tear on the machine, or is that a result of uh, poor maintenance scheduling? So if I put Glynis's hat on, what's happening is that organisation is putting the load on the worker. When it's a fact, the system isn't supporting that equipment being safe to begin with. Yeah. And if you put the load on the worker, how on earth can you expect to have a 100% outcome every single time? There you go. Any thoughts from you, Glynis, about that? No, but I think that that was said really succinctly. Um, I agree with you. Must be in the mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's because you're trying to channel... Brent Robinson with all of that mail that you're hoping he's going to attract. Yeah, that you're not going to attract. So at the end, we will be very clear about which Brent was talking at the time. It said something wildly objectionable. So that's um, Glynis McCarthy at? <laughs> um, but I won't be saying anything terribly objectionable, I don't think. Um, look, again, I, I, the main the thing that comes back to me from what we've been talking about today is that we, we need to, to evaluate what's the value of the things that we are doing. Are we doing them for the sake of it? Are we doing them so that it aids good practice? Are we doing things so it supports good decision-making when work is being done? Or are we doing this to try and give somebody else a sense of false surety about what's actually happening where work is done? So I think it is up to us as practitioners to be using some sort of frame of reference. We can take a quality frame. I really like that idea um, of, of looking at the areas of waste and really looking at them and saying, are the things that we're doing, do they in fact create waste or are they giving us something of value? Um, but I think it's actually it comes down to having conversations where work actually is done with workers about what helps to inform good practice where work is done. And all the other stuff we need to make some decisions about, are they in fact giving us what we think that they're giving us? Yeah. So that could be that we, when we conduct a learning team, when we use a learning team, say, in a management of change environment, or we conduct a learning team on an event-based basis, that when we look at those systems that exist to support people, that we could well create some type of framing that the facilitator could use to really get under the skin of those things to find out uh, where they add value, how they add value, why they add value. Yep. And if they don't, then it's really simple. So the, mo the, the three mode will be evaluate, improve, or remove. Yep. Sound good? Sounds great. Three things. Loving it. So look, I mean, from my point of view, that was a really great conversation to be had because there's plenty of waste out there. As we move into 2021, organisations are going to be uh, faced with um, 
them having to deeply consider about how they can do more with less. And this whole conversation around safety waste is really, really appropriate right now. Because uh, people that have, are working in the safety space, that they're now having to justify what they do. So as the you know as we go through the economy, as we try to rebuild from the rebuild the economy, um, there's going to be much harder questions being asked around the whole value basis of what safety brings. And a lot of what safety is are a whole lot of them are intangibles, and it's always been the ch the challenge that we have. Because that intangible is the fact that safety is driven off the absence of presence of harm, where the value component is driven by the presence of uh, controls and mitigations to manage that capacity, as Todd would say. So that's that's my closing comment. All right, anything else, Glynis or Brett? Any any other comments from you guys before we wrap up today's session for the listeners? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. I'm with you both. I think it's about us being much more discerning in this space looking to see what is truly adding value to where work is done. Fantastic. So evaluate, improve, remove. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www learningteamscommunity.com The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.